Ann Coulter. You're listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. Somewhere between a boy and man She was 17 and she was far from in between It was summertime in northern Michigan Is this my pal Ann Coulter? Why, yes it is. Hello, Michael. Ann, how are you? I thought you were ducking me. <laughs> Never. I haven't heard Never. from you. We hang out. We have some beers. We watch Sherrod Small do some comedy. You go home. You tell me you're going to text me, and then you out. You living the life out in L.A.? Come on, Ann Coulter. What's going on? <laughs> Here I am, and I'm so happy to talk to you. And I'm going to see Sherrod on Tuesday. I'm doing Bill Schultz's podcast. Best-selling author, Resistance is Futile, how the Trump-hating left lost its collective mind, and what could that book be about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, it's like liberals read it and said, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> um, I, I, the most pristine example of it is, um, I think as many have noticed, the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, although it does, the Kavanaugh hearings was the only thing Republicans had going for them this election. I keep wanting to know, what was Mitch McConnell's plan for, for you know, ginning up, creating enthusiasm in Republican voters? Hope that a Supreme Court nominee resigns and they accuse our nominee of gang rape. That's your plan. <laughs> fantastic. That's fantastic. How about a little funding for the wall and defunding sanctuary cities and ending anger babies? I mean, if we had to decide those issues in a plebiscite, um, I say they'd pass with at least 80% margins. But Republicans are, are, are afraid to bring them up and force the Democrats to vote against popular measures. It's really enraging. As for the resistance, um, as annoyed as I am with Trump, since he too is not I mean, he keeps, he's very good at talking, very, very good at talking. I love his talking. Um, it's just that nothing ever happens. You know, before the election, remember he said he was going to issue an executive order ending anger babies? I don't know why he didn't do that day one. He has, there's no law, um, there's no Supreme Court ruling saying that the children of illegal aliens are, are citizens. It's just a practice that's been followed. Um, and I think 80% of Americans would object to it um, if, only we, if only we could influence our government somehow. Well, why hasn't Trump done it yet? It takes, it takes 30 seconds to write an executive order um, saying this. Well, it's after the election. It was just it, he talks a great game, but we never actually get anything done. So I'd like to be furious with Trump. Um, in fact, I am about every third day. But then re the resistance behaves absolutely absurdly and brings me back. Now, I'm glad you brought up, obviously, you're going to bring up Trump. He has 56 million followers on Twitter. He follows 46 people. The Queen, Ann Coulter, is one of them. Have you ever had a few drinks of wine, gone home, because you're down on him? Have you ever thrown him a DM late at night expressing your displeasure with him? Um, I'm very happy that he follows me on Twitter. There are a few tweets that I think to myself, 
that I don't tweet because I don't want him to get so mad that he unfollows me. I was worried when I got a little aggressive one time. I mean, it's all about policy. Um, all the things the resistance complains about with and the media complain about with Trump is tweeting. No, I love his tweeting. When he calls <laughs> Maxine Waters low IQ, fantastic. I wish he could be the RNC's spokesman um, for the rest of his life, for the, to the end of time. And apparently he's going to have a very long life. I've never seen someone with so much energy. Um, but I was sitting with um, a New York Times reporter, and I said, he said, oh, there was some breaking news story. He said, oh, you've got to check, check what's happening on Twitter. And I said, no, I can't look at Twitter because I'm afraid it's going to say that Trump has unfollowed me. <laughs> um, but the Times reporter said, I think correctly – no, if he unfollowed you, I would be getting that alert on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I miss? Why'd you stop tweeting? Every day you would tweet like day 100 with no wall. Why'd you stop the no wall tweeting? I, I look forward uh, to those yes, tweets. Yes, my, my daily border wall update. Thank you for <laughs> reminding me, Michael. I decided to suspend them about six weeks before the midterm elections because as furious as I am with Republicans, as furious as I am with Trump for not fulfilling his campaign promises on immigration – um, without which the country will be over. Um, you never, ever want to give Democrats control. That Historically, those have been the most destructive periods in American history. Um, so I didn't want to... I didn't want to remind Republicans of the many reasons they had not to bother voting for Republicans. So I suspended it until the midterms. But you're right. The midterms are over. Back to the border wall update. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the midterms and stuff because a few days have passed since the election. Please tell me what's going on in Florida and Arizona. They're finding votes. They're recounting votes. Is it as shady as it seems to people yes. on the outside? Yes, yes, yes. I've covered these elections, many, many such elections. Um, it's, this is, any close election will be stolen by the Democrats. Um, they're used to cheating. They're good at it. Um, there's a, there's, there was a, one of the most famous cases was in Washington State a few years ago. The, the Republican, Dino Rossi, I think his name was, he won by like 4,000 votes. Um, Oregon, not a big state. That's a lot of votes to win by. And, and they kept recounting, and Rossi kept winning. Um, but the Democrats just kept counting until they had manufactured enough b votes to make the Democrat, Chris Gregori, uh, the, the, the governor, I guess, that she was running for. I believe that's right. Um, and, and, you know, everyone looking at this from the outside, then, since, at the time, um, was saying, you're counting more votes for Gregori than were, than were cast. You have more <laughs> absentee ballots than were cast. The same thing happened with Al Franken in 2008. Remember, um, I, Norm Coleman was up by, I don't know, about 1,000 votes the day after the election. And uh, no, the Democrats just kept counting, 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 producing an enormous number of, of votes for Franken. And every time they'd, they'd find, oh, we just found another thousand ballots. Um, John Lott, the, the inestimable economist, looked at that. I said, what are you doing? Would you drop the gun stuff for a few minutes and look at this theft going on in Minnesota? And he looked at it and he said the way the votes were going post-election was a statistical impossibility. We found out if, in the end, of course, Franken managed to steal enough to be, I think it was like he was like 200 votes ahead of, 300 votes, something like that, ahead of Coleman. We found out some years later um, that many people were convicted of voting illegally, in, you know, felons voting illegally. And 
Um, there were about yeah 300. There would have been more, but in order to convict someone of voting um, illegally, you have to get them to admit, yes, I did it, and B, I knew it was illegal. <laughs> that seems legit, and doesn't it? That seems legit. <laughs> No, and that's totally what they're doing in Florida now. But with the, with a Republican governor and a Republican president, if they can, they can't stop this this open vote fraud, um, I mean, the biggest issue with it, um, just just to be clear about what is usually happening and what's happening in Florida, um, is that there's a reason that there's a law. Thirty minutes after the polls close, um, each secretary of, of of elections or you know election supervisor has to release how many votes were cast. And if that changes, it's got to be updated every 30 minutes. Every 30 minutes, we have to see how many votes were cast. We just want to know that. <laughs> but they refused to do it for like 48 <laughs> hours. Why? Because they were back manufacturing more votes. They didn't know how many they were going to need. Did the blue wave, did it happen? Because I know they took, you know, they took over, oh, I'm sorry, well, the Democrats took control of the House. One, did the blue wave really happen? And was there any significance to that? Well, like I said earlier, it's never good when Democrats are in control of any branch of government. <laughs> bad, bad things happen. Um, but, <laughs> it, wow, election night was way better than I expected because, because the Republicans haven't really done much to deserve. I, <laughs> Republicans didn't deserve re-election, but the country didn't deserve Democrats. Um, the House... Uh, well, first, the most important branch is the or or, or body of the legislative branch um, is the U.S. Senate, as we just saw with Judge now Justice Kavanaugh. They confirm they they confirm judges, they confirm justices, they decide whether to remove a president after impeachment. So there's no point. I mean, even if the House rushes ahead, as they very well might, um, and impeach President Trump, it goes to the Senate and Mitch McConnell. Um, <laughs> does not approve, that may not even bring it up for a vote. So the Senate is the more important body. Also, they sit for six years. Um, this is why the Democrats are trying to overturn the results of um, two, two Senate elections in Arizona and in Florida. Um, stunningly, not only did Republicans hold the Senate, they picked up, well, they flipped four seats, lost one um, in Nevada. That was Dean Heller, and he was a pro-open borders, pro-amnesty Republican, so I'm not really sorry to see him go. Um, but we, we picked up three seats, and now it just depends on whether the Democrats can steal two of them back. As for the House, um, no, it's, I mean, it's bad. It's never good. You don't want Democrats running a 7-Eleven. Um, let me be very clear about that. On the other hand, um, <laughs> it's going to be the, the resistance, everything I write about in my book. Even if they want to be normal, even if they'd like to be sane and show the American people, oh, no, we're capable of governing, they're not going to be able to because their, their, their base is demanding impeachment, is demanding endless Russia investigations, everything that is going to drive voters crazy. There will be two years of these obnoxious subpoenas and investigations. And, you know, most voters, Republican or Democrat, they're sitting back saying, you know, can you do something about my job being outsourced? Can you do something <laughs> about the heroin pouring in across the Mexican border? What are you doing to make my life better? No, you're just sending subpoenas to Michael Cohen. Um, so I think it probably upped the chances of Trump's reelection in 2020 by having the, the House go Democrat. Um, it might also make Trump, Trump 
it'll it will take away his excuse of oh I can't build the wall because Congress won't do anything. As I've said many times, the president is the commander in chief. His number one job is to defend our borders. It is not to defend the borders of Syria, to defend the borders of Afghanistan, to defend <laughs> um, the borders of Israel. No, it's to defend our borders. He has full authority to build the wall. He should have started the first day he was in office. And maybe now that he can't, can't have the excuse of saying, oh, Republicans won't fund a wall, um, he does tend to be at his best when he's fighting back. Is that your biggest issue with the president, the wall? Because it seems that's what you're the most vocal about. Yes. I mean, it's not like this is some, <laughs> some specialty interest of mine that was the chance at every one of his rallies. It was the campaign. It was hashtags. It was, you know, people building. It was the biggest chance. It still is the biggest chance at his rallies. Trump may not have understood why the wall was important as the caravan comes barreling to, toward our border like a cannonball. Um, see, that's why we wanted a wall. You may not have understood, Mr. President, <laughs> but that's why this was the chance, because the moment a foreigner steps on U.S. soil, they can claim asylum, and we can't just say, okay, you're going home now. No, we have to hold them and give them hearings, and do you deserve asylum, which, by the way, none of them do, not one, not one, not one, um, yet and still they have to have a hearing. And then, oh, we can't hold them because, ah, the children, the children. So then they get released, and they never, and they disappear into the country and never show up again. But Anne, That's I w why we wanted a wall. Plus, the whole <laughs> opioid crisis, that is 100% a problem of us not having a wall on our border. Um, I just, I just heard, I've not independently confirmed this, but the, gen, the gist of it um, is the same across the country. Um, I heard on MSNBC yesterday that three out of four Hispanics in Texas are under the age of 18. Three out of four blacks in Texas are under the age of 18. So every day we have <laughs> the traditional legacy Americans dying off, and every day, you know, another 50,000 Somalis are registering to vote. But, Anne, if I... Trump doesn't deport <laughs> illegals, shut down legal immigration, that's how we get these, the, the Somalis mm -hmm. in Maine and Minnesota, um, and build the wall, you run the exact same election, 2016 election in 2020, and Trump loses just by the process. I mean, it, um, perhaps I'm, I'm being unclear on this. Since 1970... We've been taking in about a million legal immigrants per year, um, the vast majority from the third world, and they vote eight to two for the Democrats. But then I watched TV, and they said that the caravan was thousands and thousands of miles away. <laughs> Is that they, <laughs> they said it's so far away. Why are we worried about it? I know. I hope the media <laughs> will take this position the next time a hurricane is, is coming. It's miles and miles away. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> CNN, what are, you sending, what are you sending Anderson Cooper down there for? Don't worry. <laughs> it's still offshore. What are you talking? You're just fear-mongering. And I had the privilege of hanging out with you, and you're pigeonholed as Ann Coulter, the political, political, political. You were one of the funnest people I've ever hung out with, and we talked about comedy, and we had a few drinks. On Twitter, you're great. You tweet about our Yankees, and you know what I love? You tweet like Yankees win, like we're going to the you know the playoffs, and someone's like, "And stick to politics. We don't want to hear your sports comments." Like you can do no right if you, no matter what you do, people give you shit. Oh, my sports commentary is excellent. Um, <laughs> you're a Yankee we, fan, so I love it. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, part of the reason for that is um, really other than the Yankees, there's probably no sport. 
I really follow. I mean, I'm not, I don't have a Y chromosome. But I get really excited. I like college basketball, but I wait until, you know, they're down to 16 teams. Then I get really into it, maybe eight teams. Um, then I get really, really into it. Super Bowl, I don't really watch football. I mean, I'm all in favor of football. It's very macho. Um, but I am a girl. Um, I only figure it out right before the Super Bowl. But I, I take it, I mean, I'm like an Asian student studying calculus before the Super Bowl. <laughs> I will know everything about both teams. But that's the only game I will know anything about. Hey, you, you want to know what I always loved? Um, someone mentioned, you know, the... Um, the Braves, the Indians, and the Redskins, and you were very vocal. You're like, listen, they want to change the names, but what'd you say? It's like they shouldn't change the name because we're honoring them because you were very against them changing oh, team yeah, names. Oh, yeah, so right are now. most Indians. I know a lot of Indians, and it's obviously – it's so absurd. Everybody so wants to be a victim. That's what my book Guilty was about, um, victims. They're the ones who are victimizing the rest of us. Wow, if you're a victim in America, do you get privileges? But to act like I – mean, they're not naming their sports teams – the Jewish accountants, <laughs> the New Canaan, um, you know, cheerleaders. No, they're ne the reason we, we revere Indians in this country because of their stunning bravery. That's why, you know, all the um, military armaments, the Apache helicopter, um, heavily named after Indians. Why? Because they're tough. They were warriors. They were fighters. To turn that into, oh, that's mean. Oh, come on. Stop, stop being big. And it, it turns a brave culture, a brave, admirable culture, into something pathetic. I'm a big sports guy. Who's your college basketball team? Um, well, it depends. I wait until, like I say, and not until there are only like <laughs> uh, maybe 16 teams, definitely by eight. I'll really get into it. I decide on the basis of things that um, girls often decide on. Um, is the captain a Christian? <laughs> um, where did he go to school? <laughs> well, and I know you don't like Kansas. You tweeted, Kansas is dead to me. You tweeted that the other night, so I know you're not a Kansas Jayhawks fan anymore. <laughs> well, that was because Kobach. Yes, yes, Kobach, yes. my love lost. <laughs> my syndicate, I write a syndicated column that goes up every Wednesday night. Um, and it's based, I lived in Kansas City for a year. It's based in Kansas City, and my editor was a little testy with me for my <laughs> Kansas is dead to me tweets. <laughs> hey, and a few random questions. Is it true you started on MSNBC? First day MSNBC was on air. I heard that. That's incredible. Are you ever allowed back on there again? <laughs> no, but in the Trump era, I'm not really allowed on anything. Yes, you, you, wow, you trigger people. Wow, the become divided yes. now. It's very strange. I mean, I've, 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 because I spend a lot of time in New York, um, and I'm very sociable, um, I know a lot of liberal reporters. They're my friends. We used to have dinner together. That's getting a little harder. Um, and, and TV has totally broken down. I mean, you may notice um, <laughs> on MSNBC and CNN that their idea of a debate is um, – Democrats, part of the resistance, who, who hate Trump, or never Trumpers, who hate Trump. So they'll be they'll go after you know one another. Each one coming up with the more um, colorful and vicious terms to describe the president. To be a Republican on MSNBC, I've, I've figured out the formula. Um, I describe it in resistance as futile. There are there are three requirements. One, you have to, in some sense, be a Republican. So they're not total liars. So you know. Um, 
She supported Christy Todd Whitman. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> oh, credentials like that. Um, number two, you have to be willing to say more vicious things about Trump than even a liberal would say. Um, that's, you know, like Steve Schmidt and Nicole Wallace constantly accusing him of spitting while they talk. Um, but number three, you must be physically repulsive so that MSNBC can present you know, Jennifer Rubin, Steve Schmidt, Rick Wilson. Here, this is your typical Republican. Yes, they all look like that. They all spit when they talk. <laughs> Which is why Trump should have, if, the, if he wanted to engage in any funny business with the Russians or anybody else, he should have had Hope Hicks do it. Because the media cannot cover Hope Hicks. She is too hot, and they don't want people looking at Hope Hicks and thinking, yes, that's the typical Trump supporter. <laughs> hey, speaking of, like, females on the TV, we both live in New York. Explain to me... The fascination and the obsession with Ocasio, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. What's the obsession with her? Because it, I'm, it's mind-boggling on both sides. Why is everyone just nonstop tweeting about her and talking about her? Um, I think Republicans are because she keeps saying stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. And Democrats are because she's like the perfect Vogue candidate. She, I, if, if Vogue gives endorsements, they're definitely going to endorse her, which is also why my bet, my money's right now, right now for the Democrats is on Kamala Harris as their presidential nominee. Hollywood loves her. The media loves her. What's better than the first black president, the first black female president? Um, she's kind of a mean girl, so I find it hard to believe that she's going to get many votes from regular people. But that the new Democratic Party isn't regular people. It's the elites on the coast. They've given up on, on flyover country and the working class, which used to be. You know, they used to claim we're a party of, of workers, not anymore. Now they're the party of Hollywood and Wall Street. And I've had you for 20 minutes already. Just give me two more minutes of your time. You're an author. Two minutes because then I have to leave for church because it is Sunday, Michael. I know that, and that's why you're not out drinking with us on Sunday, Funday. And you're, <laughs> you're a big-time famous author. Who do you read? You don't read politics. What do you read? Um, well, when, when I read politics, and I don't read that much of other people, I was just telling somebody this last night, which is why it's easy for me to remember. One of the best writers out there really original, interesting stuff is David Horowitz, um, who began with, uh, what was his great book? Radical Son. Oh my gosh, that is so fantastic. Explains the left in so many ways. He has a book, Hating Whitey. He and uh, his co-author did a big um, biography of the, of the Kennedys. Very, very, very good writer. You should read Ann Coulter and David Horowitz. Um, and then I read... Um, for fun, I read P.G. Woodhouse. I just gave that to a friend last night. Um, and, and I read mysteries because it's the same thing with watching TV. I realize that my friends are, are much cleverer than most people who are writing for TV and movies. So if you're giving me a drama, you're really just boring me unless there's a dead body. There's one thing I don't have in my life, and that's people dying and uh, or being murdered and needing to solve it. So I really, I really think there has to be a murder to get me interested in a book, TV show, or movie. You have one of the coolest uh, Time Magazine covers, Miss Wright, when you're on the cover. Is there one laying around your house right now? Do you have a cover of that Time Magazine? Uh, my mother did. They're in a box <laughs> under a bed. I'm trying to – my mother had the largest North American collection of clippings about Ann Coulter. <laughs> um, so I have to figure out something to do with them. I haven't, I haven't really 
really done that yet, but yes, I'm sure I have one someplace. The article I didn't read for like three days because they used one of those convex lenses for my photo. Yeah. You know, screw you, liberals. <laughs> you can't just take a picture of me. Oh, no, I know. Let's make our feet the size of the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> I mean, I mean, thank you, liberals, for thinking I'm so hot that you you must distort the lens. But frankly, I'm not that hot. Um, you could have just shown a picture of me. No, no, no. And I just thought that was so despicable. I figured it was going to be a hit piece. I didn't want to cooperate with the guy, <laughs> which he found hilarious. He said, but after like the first interview, I said, I can't stand this. I hate talking about myself. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm sorry. I just can't do this. He said, Anne, you're the first person we've ever tried to put on the cover of Time magazine who is refusing. <laughs> how about I don't talk to you about you anymore? We'll talk about other stuff. So that's how it got done. And when I read the article, which, I, like I say, was three days later, my friends told me, no, 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 it's, it's not that bad. It's pretty good, actually. Um, it, it was one of the fairest articles ever written about me. And then we'll finish with this one. You and I are at a bar. We're hanging out. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them within like two or three hours, they would text you back? That's such a good question since you know I'm not going to tell you. Oh, come on, Ann <laughs> Give me the answer. Give me any cool person then. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going through a list of names. Not going to tell you, not going to tell you, not going to tell you. <laughs> How about Alana Stewart? I don't know who I that is. I love her. I don't know who that is. You know, married to Rod Stewart, married to George Hamilton before that, model, okay. actress. And we'll and take I'm it. I'm now <laughs> claiming she is my sister because she's really hot. <laughs> and listen, to interview you was an absolute pleasure. To hang out with you was even better. I'm going to send you one of my books. I have like four of your books. You better sign one for me. And you are the greatest. <laughs> I will talk you. to you soon, Ann. Thank you so much for calling in. See you soon. Bye-bye. See you soon, Ann Coulter. Goodbye. <laughs>